Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I'm glad you're joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Sometimes in life, it's the toughest experiences that teach us the most. And that can even be true when you're studying cotton varieties in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new fund provides monetary support to farmers sustainably growing cotton. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Persistent drying conditions and windy days are presenting some real challenges for coastal bend agriculture. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There are fewer cattle in Texas feedlots. Jessica Domel explains. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 2.87 million head of cattle and calves in Texas feedlots with 1,000 head or more on March 1st. That's down 40,000 head from last month and 10,000 head lower than the same time last year. It's even with January. Producers placed 310,000 head in commercial feedlots in Texas in February. That's down 3% from 2020. Texas commercial feeders marketed 335,000 head in February. That's down 8% from the same time last year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton prices have taken a beating over the last couple of weeks, and we can probably thank China for that. China give us and China take us away. That's cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland. He says China is upset that many countries refuse to buy certain Chinese apparel that comes from plants where they abuse their workers. They're just fighting back a little bit, throwing a uh, temper tantrum trying to show that they don't need U.S. cotton, they'll use their own cotton. But again, the U.S. garment manufacturers, the world garment manufacturers, have told China they cannot use the Xinjiang cotton. The new textile mills are located in Xinjiang, being operated by the slave labor, and they are basically saying, we don't need anybody else, we're going to do this on our own. Cleveland feels there is still some upside potential in the cotton market, saying he believes prices will recover to at least 85 cents or better. 2020 was a tough year to grow cotton on the Texas High Plains, but there were some lessons learned from the challenges. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
There's no question that 2020 was a challenging year for Texas High Plains cotton growers. Like every month we turned around, there was a negative weather event. That's Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell talking about a season that began with very dry weather in May and proceeded on to damaging windstorms in June, punishing heat and hail in the later months of summer, a premature blast of winter in early September, and an October ice storm. But for AgriLife researchers doing their annual study of cotton varieties, Dr. Bell says the harsh experiences helped provide new insights. Every weather event that producers in the panhandle experience, we also experience in our trials. That is one of the benefits to having multiple trials across a region. The trials are representative of those regional conditions. It's not like we have data just from one ideal location. We're really showing how these varieties perform under those stressful conditions. And in the end, the AgriLife researchers came away with useful information. We were able to demonstrate that you know, there are varieties out there that performed well under good conditions, and they had the strength to really persist and do pretty well in those adverse conditions. Dr. Bell says cotton farmers can minimize their risks by selecting varieties that can perform under both good and bad conditions. Farmers can see the variety trial results by contacting AgriLife or going online and doing a search for cotton variety trials in Texas. And on another note for our area cotton producers, here's a reminder that the Plains Cotton Growers Annual Meeting is April 9th at the Overton Hotel and Conference Center in Lubbock. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new fund provides monetary support to farmers growing sustainable cotton. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. BASF has launched the E3 Sustainable Cotton Grower Fund, which is a unique effort to provide additional economic support for cotton farmers in the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program who commit to growing sustainable cotton. To talk more about this, uh, we go to Jennifer Crumpler. She is a BASF's Fiber Development Manager based in Southport, North Carolina. And Jennifer, uh, talk about how this fund would work for cotton farmers across the cotton belt, including here in Texas. In the BASS, we're really excited about this milestone announcement and the fund that we've created. And the one thing, you know, we hear so much is that they love the idea of seeing their cotton and the products that they produce go into something, whether it's jeans or a t-shirt. So many times what we've seen is that they, they're not really reaping or seeing the value or getting anything back from that on the monetary side. And then, so that's where BASF was really excited to create this fund, the E3 Sustainable Cotton Grower Fund. The way this fund will work is that we have some different partners we're collaborating with throughout what we call the fiber value chain. So whether it's with cotton merchants, whether it's with textile manufacturers, at the Mills brands. And what we're working to do is capture the value for some of the label claims for some of those things that these brands are able to make claims for and then capture that value to give back to our growers. Currently, BASF with our Stainville and FiberMax brands, we do pay. We give our growers back $2.50 per bale for every bale that they enroll in our program. We know that's a small amount, but we are the only cottonseed company investing and doing that and giving money back back to our growers, as well as other sustainability programs. And Jennifer, at the end of each year, as I understand, 100% of the funds that uh, will be in the Cotton Grower Fund will be distributed equally to the E3 Sustainable Cotton Farmers. 
That is correct. And that's something that's very groundbreaking and unique to the industry, whether we're talking about ag industry, apparel, textile industry. When we talk about sustainability, there's really three pillars in sustainability. There's the environment, the economics, and as well as people. And that's where our three E's come from. But our growers can be eligible until March 31st of 2021, but till the end of the month. So if you planted Snowball or FiberMax in the 2020 season, you can still enroll, map your fields out until then. They'd be eligible for the $2.50 per bale. That is Jennifer Crumpler. She is BASF's Fiber Development Manager. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dry conditions and windy days are presenting some real challenges for coastal bend agriculture. Harvey Buring has more from Corpus Christi. Well, row crop farmers are nearly complete with planting of their spring crops. This past week, there's been a few farmers that have had to stop because of marginal uh, to poor moisture conditions in the seed bed, particularly up in the western areas of the coastal bend. And that has caused a number of growers to just halt planting of cotton and wait for a rain. Unfortunately, the trend here for the past couple of months has been little to no rain with each passing cold front that has managed to reach the lower coastal bend area and uh, even that arctic blast in mid-february was relatively dry producing no snow in our area and the little ice that melted but didn't amount to much now currently uh, the rainfall accumulations for 2021 are three inches below normal and when you combine that with that eight to ten inch rainfall deficit in precipitation that resulted during 2020, it's easy to see why the majority of the coastal bend area has been declared extreme drought conditions by the Weather Service. And uh, what everyone in agriculture is needing is a good general rain, and uh, that has been difficult to come by, but uh, the winds of the last two weeks have created some additional problems, uh, particularly with a number of grass and pasture fires around the area, and of course diminishing grazing and uh, reduction in hay reserves are real concerning to livestock producers, and um, the sharp increase in supplemental feeding is also creating an economic hardship for those producers who are trying to keep their breeding herds together. And uh, this is resulting in a number of producers starting to cull cows and ship lighter calves to market. Hopefully, this situation will have a turnaround here in April with some good widespread rains across the coastal bend area, and it needs to come very soon. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the coastal bend area for Texas Ag Today. More than 20 largemouth bass weighing over 13 pounds have been caught in Texas lakes this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have the story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's very common to see gray horses with skin problems. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a gray horse, it's more than likely you've had some skin issues with that horse. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. If you have an older gray horse, you likely have seen some skin tumors, especially around the genital areas. These skin melanomas in younger horses are not usually malignant and do not spread to other areas of the horse's body like the lungs or liver. However, the masses tend to get larger and as they increase in size, their location leads to problems. These large tumors at the genital area can affect the horse's ability to have a bowel movement, urinate, or be used for breeding purposes. And in older horses, these masses may be malignant, as one report indicates any melanoma greater than four centimeters in size, which is about one and three-fourths inches, should be considered malignant. Some folks have believed that you do not want to perform surgery to remove these tumors because that could cause more tumors to develop. However, this has been found to be untrue as removal of these masses is indicated and there's no evidence that recurrence of the masses increases after removing the original masses. Removing these masses while small is much easier than waiting until they are large and causing a problem. The masses may not ever cause a problem, but we see many of these horses that have very large melanomas that are too late to remove surgically, but could have been easily removed earlier. Surgically removing these tumors with a laser decreases bleeding and the tumors areas seem to heal well. There are multiple types of chemotherapy that can be used for melanomas and is somewhat effective in some cases. Somedidine has been used to treat melanomas but is ineffective in most cases. A canine melanoma vaccine has been used in horses with some success. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More than 20 largemouth bass weighing over 13 pounds have been caught in Texas lakes this year. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Things are heating up on Texas lakes, and we're not talking about the temperature. Since February, anglers have reeled in at least a dozen largemouth bass weighing 13 pounds or more, and many of them have been loaned to the Toyota Sherlunker program for selective breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. Kyle Brookshire, Toyota Sherlunker program coordinator, joins us with more. Since the beginning of the program, our bread and butter has always been collecting wild-caught 13-pound bass and then spawning them and taking their offspring and stocking them back into the public fisheries of Texas. Anglers may loan their 13-plus pound bass through the end of the month. The stocking portion of our hatcheries is quite extensive, and obviously our hatcheries produce more than just largemouth bass, but the specific focus of the fishery center is largemouth bass. Our fish that are brought in and selectively bred, there's a portion of those offspring that are held back to recreate our brood stock, which is our statewide brooders that produce fingerlings for our stockings, and then a portion of that is taken back to the lake that contributed. So in short, what we're trying to do is our brood fish produce the offspring that are 
overstocked in all reservoirs of Texas. And then our selectively bred sherlunkers, that offspring amount is put only into the contributing lakes that have loaned a sherlunker. And so what we're trying to do by recreating our brood stock is increase that stocking of those trophy genetic offspring from just a selectively few reservoirs to all of the lakes in Texas that we manage. You can track this year's lunkers on TexasSharelunker.com. Again, today's comments were from Kyle Brookshire, Toyota Sharelunker Program Coordinator for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Jessica Domo. Well, the bullishness in the cattle market continued on Monday. We kicked off the week in positive territory for both live and feeder cattle, and we saw a nice jump in the cotton market. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, this week kicked off right where we left off last week. Positive moves in the cattle market. We closed higher on Monday for both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle up 87, 120, 97. June up 87 at 122.65. August live cattle up 60 cents, 121.47. Nice gains in the feeder market. April feeder cattle up $1.95, 147.07. May feeders up 232 at 152.20. August feeder cattle up $1.55 at 160 even. Cash fed cattle market, well, the optimism spilling over into that as well. We wrapped up last week selling cattle as high as 118 on Friday. Those cattle were sold in Iowa. The bulk of the live trade last week, however, was from 115 to 117. That is one to three dollars higher compared to the previous week. That has the feedlots asking as high as 120 this week. So a lot of optimism to kick off this week and feedlots hoping that they can add to last week's gains. Boxed beef prices also helping this situation. Choice was up another $1.70 on Monday, $239.36. Select up $2.96 at $2.30.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear cattle bellering, it's time to find that little country ball of fire. Madison Bexley at Lockhart Livestock. Madison, how did the Thursday sale go? Yeah, we ended up with 954 head of cattle with 178 cows and 31 bulls, 136 sellers and 72 buyers. Let's walk those pins. Starker cows yesterday, the good pairs would have brought from 11 to 14 and a quarter. The mediocre and middle ladies from 6 and a quarter to 10.50. The good bred cows from 8.50 to 11.50. Mediocre and middle aged from 5.75 to 800. Uh, Longhorn and plain 
later in from 3 to 550. Uh, on the Packer cows and bulls this week, they would have been 3 to 4 higher. The good high-yielding cows, mostly 60 to 70, but extremely high-yielders that they brought from 70 to 77. The medium-yielding from 54 to 59. The low-yielding and lightweights from 30 to 53. The good high-yielding Packer bulls from 88 to 96. The medium-yielding from 80 to 87. The low-yielding and lightweight bulls from 65 to 79. Yesterday, the calves in New Orleans sold extremely good with a lot of demand for the grass cattle. You know, overall, the quality and condition was really good, and, you know, that always makes our job a little easier. That's good, and y'all caught a little bit of moisture, I understand, there at Lockhart. We sure did. We're thankful for that. With the two days combined, probably an inch and a couple tenths. Now, will we have a sale next Thursday because we're butt up against Good Friday? We are having a sale. You know, one of the last ones around to have one, but we're having a sale next Thursday. Tell everybody how to contact you. You can always check us out on Facebook. Or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We've been on the line with that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley from Lockhart <laughs> Livestock. Maddie, have a good weekend. Thanks, Larry. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, looks like that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For Madison Bexley at Lockhart Livestock, I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower on Monday. April down 42 cents at $100.37. May hogs down 90, $100.45. Class 3 milk was mixed. March milk unchanged at 16.18. April milk up 6, 17.14, 100 weight. It was a quiet trade in the cotton market. However, we did move prices sharply higher. Right now, all of the traders mainly sitting on the sidelines waiting on Wednesday's big USDA planting intentions report. That is going to be the big numbers that move the market one way or the other. So again, not much happening, but we did have a sharply higher close. May cotton up 194 points at 8038 July cotton up 189 points at 81.41. December cotton up 219, closing at 78.74. The wheat market slightly higher. July Kansas City wheat up a penny, 575 and a half. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters at 612 a bushel. Same story in the corn market that we talked about in cotton. All of the grains. Sitting back here on Monday and Tuesday, waiting for Wednesday's USDA planting intentions report. May corn was down five and three quarters, closing at five forty-six and three quarters. September corn down four and three quarters, four seventy-nine. December corn down five and a quarter, four sixty-one and a quarter. In the energy markets, April natural gas up four cents at two sixty. May crude oil up fifty-eight, sixty-one fifty-five a barrel. The financial markets mix. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 98 points at 33,171. The Nasdaq down 79, 13,059. The S&P 500 down 3 at 3,971. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I am so glad you took time to join us, and don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.